Jason, are we, we're not ready yet, or do we have them? Okay, and, and, if you're, and if you're here and you don't, you don't own a Bible, um, we'd love to bless you with one um, as we've transitioned into, on Sunday mornings, to the NLT translation. We'll give you a free copy of the NLT uh, that you can follow along, and if you need that, um, you can just raise your hand and our ushers will uh, locate you there and they'll give you a copy and you can, if you just forgot it and you go, ah, you know, I don't know, and you can have it, you can take it with you if we give it to you. We love giving away Bibles, and that would be our gift, or actually the Lord's gift to you. He just delivers it through us. So um, if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 10 here this morning in our series Made Right. And I share with you every Sunday the reason I titled this series Made Right is because we can't make ourselves right. That's why God sent his son into this world to make us right with him as we place our hope and our trust in him and what Christ has done for us on Calvary's cross. His blood shed for sinners is why... We become the righteousness of God in him. And it's a wonderful thing that uh, we love so much that God would care about us that much that he would send his own son to die on a cross so that we, we could know him, we could know heaven. I titled this morning's message, uh, as I shared with you last week, this is Sharing is Caring Part 2. It was supposed to be a two-part series, and now it's going to be at least three. Could be more uh, as we get into this, but uh, we're going to just pray here this morning. Um, you know, obviously, uh, all of us are familiar. This is 9-11, and, and it's the anniversary of what took place on 9-11. And it's a, a terrible thing. You know, and you, you look back on that, and, and you see the thing that says, you know, we, we will remember. And, and if you're like me and you're honest about it, you go, man, Lord, I, I forget. You know, I, I forget so much. And it's like every year I kind of have to refresh myself. And and it's what happens when you're removed from something. You know, it happened all the way on the East Coast. I mean, it touched all of our lives to a certain degree, not just what happened at the Twin Towers, but at the Pentagon. And they're in a, in a field in Pennsylvania. You know, nearly, you know, was it 3,000 people um, lost their lives that day. And forever changed, in one sense, America. You know, life goes on. But for many, you know, their lives were shattered. And, and to this date, I mean, we know that many of the first responders are still dealing with health issues and just trying to find support from, you know, our own government in, in, in compensation and help in that. And so much to pray about, you know, peace in this world. That's why we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, when he establishes his peace upon this earth, that's when we'll truly know it. Um, but so many lessons, you know, that the Lord would teach us, you know, through that. And and so many things were, you know, affirmed uh, in this country. You know, we all go through dark things in our life. And it's one of the great blessings of, of the body of Christ is that, you know, you're not alone. You know, when you go through tough things, that you have a church family that, that's there for you. And even in the world, you know, we saw that on 9-11, that it brought our country together. It brought even other countries uh, to a greater um, respect and, and even at the moment, you know, sympathy for the United States. There's just things that bond people together. And it's not always just the celebration of something good. Um, it's the, the mourning of a loss of something that once was. And so our countries, you know, came together for a period of time. I mean, I just remember this. I mean, you look at the, the chairs in the sanctuary and the, the Sunday after 9-11, there was not a single chair in the sanctuary that was, that was empty. It was basically, it was standing room only. And there was a reason for that because people were afraid. And what they really were afraid of is they had some idea uh, because someone had shared with them something from the gospel at some point in their life. And whether they understood it correctly or not, they truly believed that the end was near. 
and they wanted to make sure that they were right with God, you know, that, you know, that things were right. And then what happens is, you know, as life settled back in a couple weeks later and a couple weeks later, two, three, and all of a sudden, you know, you go, and it just goes back to normal. We, we forget, or we just go back to the way things were. And so on moments like this, you know, on 9-11, it's good to remember. And we do that today. We pray for the families that were impacted. I mean, lives just completely shattered, you know, families literally destroyed, you know, children that grow up without, you know, one or both of their parents, um, you know, just the, the devastation that it brings, the, the hurt and the heartache and, and things that just roll out from there, you know, the mental illness, the, the uh, alcohol, you know, and drug abuse that, that ensued, you know, from that, uh, people struggling to cope, struggling to understand. And it's all the more reason why, you know, we need to be sharing the gospel. We call it good news for a reason, um, because Jesus is coming. And when Jesus returns to this earth, uh, again, he will wipe away every tear from our eye and he will make all things new. And that message is always good. And, but there's moments when it, you know, it's like a diamond, you know, they say a diamond shines brightest against what, if you go to a jeweler and you look at diamonds, they get out a piece of black velvet, don't they? And they put it against black velvet because it always shines brightest against the darkness. And so it's a reminder on 9-11 for us is that, you know, the gospel shines brightest against the darkness. And so thankful for so many of our first responders, um, you know, believers that, you know, when everybody was fleeing from, you know, the, the Twin Towers, that they were literally running into the towers. You know, and again, we're reminded that it was shared so often. People didn't necessarily know that it was a Bible quote, but to say that, you know, no greater love is any man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. And that's what many did that day. They sacrificed their own life for the sake of someone else. And, and you know, what an amazing, what amazing thing that, that someone would do for another person. And then to point that back to the gospel, that Jesus didn't just do it for people that were trapped in a tower. He did it for the whole world that was trapped in sin. And so, again, uh, as we pray, let's pray for peace for those families uh, that have been impacted, for the city still of New York, who, who deals with uh, this on a daily basis. Um, you know, you think of terrorism around the world today. Uh, there's so many things, you know, but the greatest prayer is that, you know, that the church would remember and that we'd understand. I mean, if you think about this for a second, I mean, people went to work that day and I don't think anybody was thinking about dying. Do you? I mean, it was just another day going to work. It was a Tuesday morning. I was sitting in a restaurant, you know, with one of our pastors having breakfast and in a meeting and we're looking up and all of a sudden, you know, we, we see a plane. We saw the first building, you know, on fire. And then we literally watched the second plane fly into a building. And you just look and you go, wow. And then you hear the, the sad thing. Most of us have watched some of the programs on TV and people were on the phone with their loved ones and just, you know, they're on an airplane, you know, calling home and just saying, you know, hey, I just know I love you, you know, and if I don't ever get to tell you again, you know, and it's, I'm so sorry, you know, that I didn't, I haven't told you, you know. Um, scripture says, you know, we don't know the hour which we're gonna pass in the truest sense from this life into eternity. The key is, is to be ready is to be prepared. And so many people went to work, like I said, that day, and they had no clue, you know, that that was going to be their last day on this planet. And sadly, many weren't prepared. Um, thank God in one respect, you know, for some, at least while it was occurring, you'd hear them talking with the 911 operators and many of the 911 operators are believers. It's always amazing how God places people in, you know, in very special positions 
and then in those moments are going, well, I, let me pray with you. You know, let me, let me, you know, uh, here's, here's what you need to know. You know, God is, God is forgiving, you know, because people had regrets and things that they, uh, they realized they weren't going to have a chance to fix or to make better. And then just to know in that moment that, you know, as we're reading here in Romans chapter 10 is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And then to know that, you know, again, uh, does God hear that prayer? You go, absolutely. So we pray for the, pray for the church today. And then, um, one other prayer that I want to ask you to pray. Um, Brenda Gray, um, is our church CPA. Her, she has an office up in the front here. She's been our CPA for years. And she, her daughter, Danielle, who's 30 now, um, in 2009, she had a kidney transplant. And in 2020, um, she went in to the hospital uh, with abdominal pain and they discovered uh, it's a form of lymphoma that's caused when you have a transplant and your body is trying to reject it. But because of the drugs that they give you to cause your body to not reject the, the kidney, it opens you up, you know, with a compromised immune system for other things. And so, um, you know, she's, she had a mass, uh, cancerous mass had it removed and, and she's just been since 2020, uh, in the hospital, probably more than she's been out of the hospital and she's just a fighter. And, uh, she, you know, been under chemo and treatments and, and got out. So her goal was to, you know, get out of the hospital and come home. And so they kind of put her in a, in a hotel close to the hospital, kind of as a transitional step to see if they could get her home, did well for a couple of days. And Brenda contacted me this morning and said that, uh, you know, that she's having difficulty breathing, that her heart rate was, you know, through the roof and they're going to have to, you know, admit her back to ICU, you know, and, and treat her again. Um, she said, you know, she's resting comfortably, you know, she's doing okay now. She's just really tired and, and, uh, you know, but she just constantly keeps me, you know, abreast of what's going on. And, and, uh, she's just at a, a place where, you know, she just really needs a lot of prayer. And so I just want to encourage you to remember her, you know, Danielle, uh, she's 30 years old. Like I said, she's in, in the fight for her life right now and uh, that the Lord would just uh, see her through like he's done. Um, I mean, I, I, if you knew her story, you'd think, man, I would have given up a long time ago and just praise God that, uh, you know, she's got a lot of fight in her and uh, she continues to hold on to trust and to believe. And so we just continue to pray that uh, the Lord would, would bless her and keep her and and protect her, give her good doctors, and bring healing uh, to her body. So uh, we'll pray for the service as well. So if you would, just bow your heads with me, and we'll pray. Father God, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just a sweet time of worship and singing your praise and just setting our hearts on you. And uh, Lord, as we move forward, uh, Lord, this morning, we just want to pray for this day as we come to another 9-11, and we, we think about... Lord, what took place in this country and, um, Lord, the terrorist acts that took literally 3,000 lives and, uh, Lord, impacted so many more, so many more lives that have been destroyed, Lord, because of hate and because of evil. And, uh, Lord, it's why we need you. It's why we pray Maranatha, why we pray come quickly, Lord Jesus, because you're really the only solution, Lord, to the world's woes. And yet we pray for the families, Lord, today that have been impacted, that have lost loved ones who, Lord, even to this day are still struggling. They've picked up the pieces and kind of gone on. But, uh, Lord, their lives are never the same. 
And uh, Lord, we remember them today. And uh, Lord, we pray peace and we pray comfort, Lord, over them. And for those that are still struggling in, a, in tremendous ways and have found themselves now in bondage, Lord, in sin, uh, Lord, may you deliver them today. May you rescue them. And uh, Lord, may they hear the truth of the gospel. Lord, may they have hearts that are tender and not bitter. Lord, we pray for the church today that, God, you would equip us. And, Lord, that you would give us your heart for the lost in the world, realizing that every day is somebody's last day upon this planet. And that, Lord, the people in our lives, God, uh, if they don't know you. Lord, help us to care enough, Lord, to take the time to share with them. And, Lord, for people just in general that we come in contact, uh, Lord, we don't know when they're going to meet you. And, Lord, we don't necessarily know where they're at in life. And that's why the gospel is always good news, is to somehow, some ways to look for those opportunities to inject Jesus Christ into the conversation with the hope of, Lord, finding out if the person's a believer or not a believer. And, and then that gives us the directive as to how to move forward in those conversations. And so, Lord, we ask you to do that today. And, Lord, we pray for Danielle and we lift her to you. God, we pray for healing in her body. Lord, I just thank you for the fight that you've uh, given her within herself, Lord, that she hasn't given up, that she continues to hang in there. And, uh, Lord, walk by faith and not by sight. And may you strengthen her today. And for her mom, for Brenda, may you bring her comfort and peace, Lord. Uh, Lord, it's so difficult as a parent when you're watching your, your children suffer. I know that Brenda would trade places in a moment but she can't. And so give her the strength that she needs as well. Uh, infuse them with hope today. Lord, place nurses and doctors and people in the hospital there that love you and know you, that are a light and can be words of strength and peace and comfort and even joy in the midst of this trial. And Lord, thank you that we can pray for one another. And I pray for anybody that's here today. If they're struggling, they're in bondage to sin, uh, God, that you would set them free today. Those that are here or maybe listening online that don't know you, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd open our eyes and our ears, Lord, that we'd receive all that you have for us. And Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're patient and you're kind and you're merciful. You're gracious to us, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for a church, Lord, where we can come and get to know one another and share life together through the highs and the lows, through the thick and through the thin. Uh, God, thank you for the reflection so many lives of you. May you be glorified, Lord, today as we open up your word. Speak to us, Lord. And most of all, uh, Lord, help us to listen and listen with the intent to, to receive and to go do the very things that you would place in our heart to do. And we can only do it by your power and your strength. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall afresh on this place today as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, so last week, as I, I shared, we were going to start a really simple two-part series, Sharing is Caring from Romans 10. And I shared with you, you know, there's basically seven steps, seven stages that we can look at the Apostle Paul's life. And I shared with you, you know, it was caring, it was praying, it was going, it was sharing. And then that's, uh, you can look at that and say, that's our responsibility, you know, as the person who, who goes, we, we care first, then we pray, and then we go, and then we share. And then the responsibility of the person who hears it is to hear it, is to believe it, and then is to understand the calling that God places upon their own life. And so as we study through, you know, 
uh, Romans chapter 10. We'll look at these. Uh, this morning, we're just going to look at the first four stages there. Go over this again, you know, caring, praying, going, and sharing. And then uh, next week, we'll, we'll look at hearing, believing, and calling, you know, the unbeliever's responsibility to the gospel in order to be saved. So as we do that, like I said, um, before we go any further, you know, I just want to make perfectly clear as we've looked at this, you know, chapters 9 and chapters 10, when someone read this, you know, as Paul wrote it, they wouldn't have studied it the way we study it. They would have read the entire letter. It didn't have chapter breaks. It didn't have, you know, verses by it. It was just one, one big letter. And so when you break this down, um, you know, sometimes people can go, okay, when we look at what we consider the sovereignty of God or the election of God or the predestination or predetermined plan of God. And then we look at here in chapter 10, it seems to lead us to the belief that uh, man has a responsibility. There's free will that's involved, uh, that those can be almost contradictory towards one another, but they're not, you know, when you read it uh, in scripture, but we need to be perfectly clear on this and don't, don't miss what I'm about to say. Salvation is a work of God. It's not a work of man. Okay. It originates with God. In other words, if God doesn't save you, guess what? You're not saved. It's Jesus who saves, amen? It's as simple as the bumper sticker, you know, no one can save themselves. And we read that in Romans chapter 8. It's why Romans chapter 8 is such a wonderful chapter, why it's probably, if you're here and you've been with us, it's probably one of your favorite chapters in the Bible. Romans 8.30 puts it like this. I'm reading from the NLT. It says, having chosen them, it says he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Okay? So there's no question. Salvation is a work of God. It originates with him, you know, in his sovereignty, in his predestined plan, in his election and, and calling. God has chosen to use us. We, we, can't, we can't lose sight of that. That's important to understand. Yes, salvation is a work of God, but in his, his choosing, he's chosen, as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians, he's chosen to use the foolishness of preaching. And preaching isn't the position of a pastor, as we'll see. Preaching is actually the focus, is that word in Romans 10 isn't on the person, but it's actually on the message itself. What that's saying is the power isn't in the person who's proclaiming it, the power is in the message that's given. Amen. And so that's important for us to understand. Um, you know, and so we look at this, you know, like I said, from a human perspective, you know, it's been well said that the gospel is only one generation away from being extinct. And you think about that, you know, that we have a tremendous responsibility, you know, in, in reaching, you know, our world. I mean, I watched the news this week and I saw where people were, you know, complaining about, you know, what's taking place in our public school system. And they said, hey, uh, you know, they go, we can pinpoint, we can pinpoint when public education took a, a, a turn for the worse. And the overwhelming majority said is when they remove prayer from school. And you think about that for a second. I had to think that because in light of what I was saying, well, there's a, I believe there's a truth in that because, you know, again, if the gospel is not proclaimed, you go, we are one generation from it becoming extinct. And now people are looking back and going, we're seeing where people's lives are being changed, not for the good, but for the worse, because the gospel to them isn't going forth. Their kids aren't praying. They're not hearing about God. We've taken the 10 commandments out of school, out of our court system, everything else. We're, we're trying to remove God from from the public eye, you know, and so you go, I, I get that. And then you go, what happens? And you go, look around. This is what happens. This is what life is without God. Study the book of Judges. Every man does what's right, what? In his own eyes. And it's not a good thing, you know, as it 
And so if you look at Paul's life, though, you know, Paul was very gifted in evangelism. And so when you look at his life, you can identify some of the ways that, like I said, he went about sharing the gospel and, and, uh, and why was he so effective? I mean, I, I look at when I read the Bible and I see Bible characters, I, I look at it and I go, so what were they doing and what can I glean from them? That's why we study the Bible. What can I learn from studying their life? So that's what we're doing. You know, we're looking at the Apostle Paul's life and we're going, what was the most important thing to him? And it, I think it's pretty obvious. And that's why I spent so much time last week just dedicated to that one word, caring. Uh, because I think oftentimes in evangelism, caring is overlooked, you know, because some people look at evangelism as like it's just this dreaded obligation that we all have because we're, we're followers of Jesus, you know, and it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't feel gifted to do that. And yet, you know, really what it was intended to be was a joyful, you know, opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with other people. And good news is what? It's good news. I mean, good news is I deserve to go to hell. You deserve to go to hell. And God made a way that we don't have to go to hell by sending his son into this world to die on a cross for us. You go, that's not bad news. However you cut it, that is not bad news. It is good news. The problem is when people go, I don't need that. But that's bad news for them because they're entitled to have that belief. You know, again, we have free will, but they have to make a choice just like you and I have had to make a choice. But for me and you as, as believers, and I, I love this, uh, I read it often, it says heaven shouldn't just be our destination, it should also be our motivation. You might write that down. Heaven shouldn't just be our destination, it should be our motivation. Because you're going to heaven, you should what? You should want everybody else to go too, right? And that's if we care. And so last week we looked at caring and just real quickly, you know, I read to you from Romans chapter 10, verse one, where Paul said, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. And he said, the longing of my heart. And then go back to Romans chapter nine, verse one. He says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. He said, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if that would save them. So what he was saying is, you know, I'd be willing to go to hell if my brethren, if the Jews could go to heaven. I, I don't think you can say that, you know, that Paul didn't care about his Jewish brethren. And I shared with you last week, you know, that old expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that word compassion, I was sharing with you last week, you know, from the Greek language, it means, you know, from, from the, the gut, from your bowels, from your, your intestines. You know, if you think about that, we don't think about that as being a very, you know, romantic way to, you know, uh, proclaim our love and devotion, you know, to one another. Um, but again, for the Hebrews, you know, the, the Jews, they looked at the guts or the intestines. That's where the deepest and the most intense emotions that a person has come from. That's why I said, even in pain, when someone, they go, Oh, I just, I, I, you know, that was like a gut shot. I heard the news and it was just like taking a, a punch in the gut. And, and so we do understand that the deepest place of our emotions. And it says in Paul, that's where he cared from. I mean, he hurt just like Jesus hurt when he saw the plight of, of people who had rejected him. But then, you know, this, this comes up and I so appreciate it. I had, I, sometimes I forget to do this, um, you know, on my iPad, uh, because it's electronic and it's hooked to the internet, um, people can message me. So people have my phone number 
and they can text me. And so during the sermon, I'm getting text messages from people that are here and some that are online. And it's really funny because it's usually my friends that are really into, um, like, I would say, uh, uh, they like uh, fire and brimstone sermons. So like they go, yeah, preach it, give it to them. Sorry. Yeah, we need, this is what we need, Pastor Mike. We need, you know, and they were thanking me and it was coming up during the service. That's what's funny. I'm trying to preach and I've got people. So it's almost like a cheering section though. They're going, Keep going, preach it, preach it. Yeah, we need to hear that. It wasn't like you guys needed to hear it. They were going that I needed you, me and you, we all need to hear it. They go, we, we, you know, we need to be stirred, you know, stir one another to love and we, we just need it, you know? And uh, so I, I, the question came up and someone, they text me right in the middle of the service. They go, where does caring come from? Where does caring come from? Because they were saying, I want to care. They go, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Mike. I want to care. I want to be a more caring person. You know, I've read books on it. And guess what? It doesn't make me more caring. And guess what? It doesn't. Information doesn't change our lives in that respect. It can help. But it really doesn't transform or change us. Where does Paul, as you think about this, the Apostle Paul, where, does, where did caring come from? It comes from, this might seem over simple, you know, simplifying it, but it comes from knowing Jesus. And, and I want you to think about that, you know, for a second, it comes from knowing him. When we come to Christ, there's a transformation. You know, again, I read this to you all the time. Second Corinthians five seventeen. if a person's in Christ, what? They're a new creation. That's why it is to be born again. See, without being born again to say, hey, you need to be caring. You can care for things. The world cares for things. The Bible says that sinners love sinners for what they get back from them. And we can relate to that. You know, we do things for people all the time. And we do it because not so much what it does for them, we do what it does for me. To care for somebody else and go, you know what, it really made me feel good. It's not, you didn't go, man, I hope that really helped them. You go, man, you know what, helping them, that really made me feel good. I really felt good about, you know, that I did this. And you go, I, I get that, I understand that. That's what the world does with regard to care. But to think about that you would do something for someone who's an enemy of you, because that's again, what we were to God. We were enemies of the cross. And God loved me so much that even while I was his enemy, he went to the cross. You go, wow, that's what Paul encountered. That's what blew Paul away. It wasn't, you know, Paul trying to be a more caring person. It was that he encountered love. God is love. And he encountered love on the road to Damascus and it changed his life and it changed it radically. You know, so when you look at Paul's life, you know, it, it wasn't a difficult thing for him once he encountered, you know, Jesus, you know, he understood what it meant when Jesus said, if any person, anybody, everybody in this room, everybody watching, listening, if you desire to come after Jesus says, you must what? Deny yourself Ooh. and pick up your cross. The cross is what? There's pain. There's suffering that comes with that. And follow Jesus, you know, every day of your life. And you go, hey, I thought it was a free gift, you know. And you go, it is. It is. You can't save yourself. But with salvation comes what? Comes Christ. And, and Paul, you know, again, as he encountered Christ, so what happened in his life that made him so passionate about sharing the gospel? What happened in Paul's life that he was so willing to suffer and even die to get the message of Jesus out to the world. He experienced firsthand the power of the gospel, you could say. He experienced Jesus Christ as his own personal Savior and Lord. So, you know, again, the answer to the question, if you want to become a more caring person, all you need to do is have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. 
And here we can look at this together. Turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 7. Pick it up in verse 36 here. You don't you want to miss this. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. And as she wiped them off with her hair, then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered, knowing his thoughts, he said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. He says, go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time that I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they were many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. So it's important you get that. He says, I tell you her sins, and though they are many, they have been forgiven. And then the response of her, he said, so she has shown me much love. What changed her life? She encountered Jesus. She encountered the forgiveness of the cross, and it transformed her life. That's what made her caring. That's what made her loving was encountering Jesus. You don't need to read books on, you know, how do I become a more caring person? What we need to do is encounter more of Jesus in our life. When you truly encounter Christ and you know what he's done for you, you really know what he's done for you and not what he did for you, you know, the day that you gave your life to the Lord, but what he did for you yesterday, what he did for you today, what he's done every single day since the day that you came to him, he has forgiven you. The Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught us to pray, you know, what do we pray? Forgive us our debts, right? For, it's not something we prayed once. We prayed all the time. And it's that love of Christ that he would forgive us that draws us into a loving, caring relationship with him. See, Paul knew himself that he had his own sins that he considered far worse than this woman. You go, Pastor Mike, how can you say that? And I go, well, 1 Timothy 1.15 Paul of himself, he said, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. In some of your translations, it says, I am the chief of sinners. That he claimed to be, nobody was more of a sinner than the apostle Paul. He knew his own heart. He knew his own life. He'd heard the gospel. I, I believe, you know, my personal take on this is where did the words that, you know, really sunk into his heart that, that, that brought him to that place was when you think about the, when Stephen was stoned, right? Paul was the coat hanger, right? Like I shared with you, he stood by and he held the cloaks of them that, that stoned Stephen. And Stephen was what? The first martyr, but he was an evangelist. He was sharing the gospel. 
And you think about, you know, what was he doing? He was telling them very quickly, you know, what you must do. He said, you know, Father, and he's, he's smiling. He's looking up to heaven and he's going, in the same words of Jesus on the cross, you know, Father, in the sense, forgive them for they know not what they do. Don't hold their sins against them. Because Paul would write this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 9. Paul said, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Who passed it on to Paul? Well, Paul was doing what? He was persecuting the church. He was having Christians killed for their faith. Who do you think was telling him the truth? It was them. They were willing to die. They, they, they weren't afraid of the gospel. You know, they believed it. And they knew that the consequences sometimes could be literal death for them. But they'd seen Jesus. They'd seen him as, as the risen Savior, as the living Lord. And, and their lives were forever changed. And so Paul writes this. He says, you know, I pass on to you what's been passed on to me. This is the gospel. You ever want to be able to share the gospel sincerely, very quickly? He said, Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter. And then by the 12, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though... Um, I had been born at the wrong time. I also saw him for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted the church. So what, what changed Paul's life? What caused him to become caring? He encountered Jesus. That's what he had. He had a face to face with Jesus and it changed his life. And guess what? Because Jesus is alive you can have, and I can have, a face-to-face -face in that respect with Jesus Christ when we open our hearts to him. And so his life was transformed. And like I said, I, I shared this with you last week. You know, Paul, in that moment, then he understood. There's only two groups of people. It changed his life. He's going, there's only saved people and there's lost people, right? And then take it a step further, you know, as I shared with you, that he goes, he knew that there was only two places. There's only two people and there's only two places. You're either going to spend eternity in heaven or you're going to spend eternity in hell. And it, and it always amazes me that Jesus talked about hell more than he talked really about anything you know, in proclaiming, you know, the gospel message that hell's a real place. And, and, and Paul, like I said, he go, what caused him to care so much? And it wasn't that you'd think that, but you go, that as Spurgeon said, he goes, I would pray that every pastor, every minister of the gospel before, you know, he goes into the ministry, that God would hang him over the pit of hell for 24 hours so that he could understand the magnitude of hell. And I get that, but that wasn't God's method. What did God do? Because he could have done that to Paul, right? He could have taken Paul to hell. He said, Paul, I want you to see what hell is. That's not how God transforms our life. As much as I love Spurgeon, he was wrong on that point. I understand exactly what he was saying. But God did something. He took Paul up. He took Paul up. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, it says, I was caught up into the third heaven. He was caught up into the very presence of God. He says, you know, 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or out of my body, he says, I don't know. Only God knows. He says, yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside. But I do know this, you know, that I was caught up into paradise and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things that no human is allowed to tell. And then he received what? His messenger to buffet him, to keep him from boasting about what he'd seen. But you go, he saw it. It's that old expression, if you've, if you've 
found the best, then what? Forget the rest, right? And that's what happened in Paul's life. So you can see that's what drove Paul to care was he encountered Jesus. And I just want to encourage you with that today. If, if you really in your heart, you go, God, I, I, you know, I don't care about the loss the way that I should. I, you know, I don't want to get involved. You know, people go, I don't want to risk my life. You know, I, I don't want I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. My wife and I stopped the other day, helped somebody on the, on the side of the road. My wife, as we got back into the car, she told me, she goes, honey, it was so weird about this. She goes, there was like 30 cars behind us. And she said, no one stopped to help. She goes, and, and, and my wife was pushing on a suburban, you know, trying to get it out of the road. And you go, you would think not that, that people saw you pushing the car, but if they saw a woman pushing the car, they might stop and get out of their car and help. Not one person did. They just, everybody went around. You go, you can't make people care. And I get it. And people, and they come up with whatever the reason. You know, Pastor Mike, you can't trust people today. Because you never know what will happen. And you go, those are absolutely true. Absolutely true. But what's going to change? Is everybody just going to drive around and the world becomes what it is? Or is the church going to step up? Are we going to shine against the darkness? Because we care. Because we don't live in fear. Because he is the resurrection and the life. I don't worry about what could happen to me or what wouldn't happen to me. You go, why? Like Paul, <laughs> when you've encountered Jesus, it changes your life. I, it's not because I'm going to tell you this. It's because you're going to encounter Christ in your life through the study of his word. And again, as, as Paul would write, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of a sudden, it's just being in the presence of God. See, this isn't a book as a book is. This, this is God's word, Okay. This is a living word. This is from God himself to you. And it has a power and an authority like nothing else you'll ever experience in your life. And so to spend time in it. So after, you know, caring, you know, obviously that leads Paul to praying. We can run through these really quick. Praying. So he didn't allow his heart, you know, just to, in his bowels. He loved the Jews, right, from his intestines. But he knew that, you know what, I can't just run there. So he ran to God instead and he prayed for them. We saw that in Romans 10.1. He said, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, what do he say? My prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. It, it, if you care about people, it will cause you to pray. You go, I don't know about my prayer life. All you got to do is start caring about people because there's a lot to pray about. If you just listed the people you know in your life and what their needs are today, you'd go, you'd be there for a long time, wouldn't you? Because there's a lot of need out there, you know, and it's so true. And so he prayed regularly, like I said, uh, and, and he did what the Lord was calling him to do. But long before he ever went, you know, before the gospel got to his feet, it had to go through his knees, right? And where his knees were is in prayer before God. And the same thing's true, you know, for us. You know, when we care about the people in our life, may those things move us beyond just caring and feeling, but to actively pray for them. I love that statement that says you can always do more than uh, more after you pray, but you can never do more until you've prayed. Let me read that again. You can always do more after you pray, but you can never do more until you've prayed. How many saw the movie, The War Room? Did you see that? Yeah, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you. you know, it's probably free by now. But in the war room, I mean, she opens up this closet. And like I said last week, it looks like something you'd see at the Pentagon, man. She's got... Bible verses, colored things, strings, you know, going everywhere, you know, this thing. You go, man, this, this lady's doing some business. But I remember that this, the quote that she said, she said, I am so sick. She's talking to the devil. I am so sick of you stealing my joy, but that's changing too. 
My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he's already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. <laughs> and it was just like, and she said it with just such authority. You go, wow. It was like, make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You know, James 5.16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, you pray and you keep praying. And as you pray, what happens? You know, it's like someone say, you can't hate somebody that you pray for. Because if you pray, that's why people, I don't want to pray because I know what'll happen. I'll start loving them and I don't want to love them. You go, because prayer doesn't necessarily change the other person. What does prayer do? It changes me. Yeah, it changes you. And, and I love that. In, in Matthew 9, you know, you can look this up later, but it says in verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion again. What? He cared, right? He was moved with compassion. And it says on them because they were confused and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, pay attention to this. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. This is where chapter breaks and verses mess up letters. Because if, if you read this in context, there's a chapter break here. So it goes to chapter 10. And so he says at the end of chapter 9, he says, So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. And then in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease. And then in verse 5, it says, And then Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. So do you get what, what's happening? They're going, Lord, Lord, we're looking out. The field is ripe and it's ready for harvest, you know, but the labors are few. So yeah, Lord, send in more labors into your field. And Jesus goes, okay, go. Wait, that makes me the answer to my own prayer. You know, you can be the answer to your own prayer, you know, because a lot of times that's what's going to happen. When you get a burden for something, and you really get a burden for it and you care. That's like Paul going, I love the Jews. I, I know every city he went to, what did he do? He goes to the synagogue first, right? I love them. And so what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to follow your heart in that regard. And, and it's a, such a wonderful thing. You can become the answer to your own prayer. So oftentimes, again, I'll just tell you this. As you're praying about things and you go, Pastor Mike, I've really been burdened by this. And I go, okay. And, and I go, is it going away? And they go, no. And I go, well, maybe God's calling you to do something about it. Oh, no, not me. He's wanting you to do it. You know, I was like when people come, you know, Pastor Mike, I got this idea. I've been praying. I've been seeking the Lord for this new ministry in our church. And I go, really? You know, years ago, we had a, a lady that, um, I offended her by this, by the way. Uh, she said, Pastor Mike, I, I got this idea for a ministry. Uh, we, we'd have fresh flowers. They were always up in front of the, the pulpit at that time. And she goes, I want um, the church to take those flowers on Sunday and, and I'll buy the vases or vases, however you want to say that. And, and you guys put the flowers in them and take them to the rest homes that are in town. And I go, that's a wonderful ministry. And I said, yeah, go ahead and do it. I said, yeah, let me pray with you. And that's awesome. And just, we can put something in the bulletin and start telling people they can contact you. And uh, she looked at me and she goes, I mean, I'm not embellishing this story at all. She looks at me and she goes, you don't understand. She goes, I want you to do it. 
And I said, well, but God hasn't called me to do it. And she goes, who pays the bills around here? And I told her that joke about the squirrel. I go, you know, I go, I think I know the answer, but let me put it to you this way. I said, it's like that little kid in the Sunday school class who, who the teacher said, hey, what's got a bushy tail, collects nuts, lives in trees, and, and the little boy raises his hand. He goes, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. And I always loved that joke. And so I told her that joke. And I said, you know, I, I, I think what you're trying to say is that you pay the bills, but I just want you to know Jesus pays the bills. And never saw her again after that. They left the church, sent me a really nice note, said, you know, hey, God's called us to go somewhere else. But the thing was, she had an idea, but it was her idea was not for her to do it, but it was for me to do it or to find somebody else to do it. And I'm going, that's not how God operates. When God puts a burden on your heart, it's always first and foremost through you. It's not just, you know, everybody can sit around and go, yeah, I, I, we can all do that with the world today, right? You know, let me be president for the day. I'll show you, you know, we change all kinds of stuff. It's getting it done <laughs> is the harder part, right? And, and yet that's where it begins. One person, you know, one person at a time. Third thing that we see Paul doing is going, verses 14 and 15 there in Romans 10. He says, but how can they call on him to, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Verse 15 says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And again, somebody's got to be willing to go, right? There's goers and there's senders. Because think about this. And this is for you that feel like, man, I, God hasn't called me to go. That's okay. What would happen if everybody went? Nobody would be here. <laughs> I mean, you've got to have goers and senders, right? And, and, but we're all part of that. That's what's important to understand. But you go, yeah, we're all going to go to you know, third world countries. And we all leave. And you go, there, there's, no, there's nobody here. There's still things that have to be done. But, but he's, he's sending us all someplace. If you just look around the sanctuary, we all have a connection with people who other people in the sanctuary don't have a connection with. We all have a circle, right? You have a circle of influence and you have a circle of concern. God's called you to impact your circle of influence and to pray for your circle of concern. concern circle of concern is just the things that you can care about, but you really can't do that much about them. But you can pray about them. But you do have a circle of influence that's different from everybody else. And so, again, God calls us to go, again, we think about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You know, God will, will point us in the direction that he wants us to go. The point that we need to understand here is we're all on a mission from God. Our life is to be a mission from God. And like I said, he's called some to go, some to stay. You know, in Acts 13, 2 through 4, it says, And one day these men were worshiping the Lord, fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Paul for a special work which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, and they sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Paul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Apostle just means one who sent. Okay, there's an apostolic ministry, obviously. Um, but we're all, in the sense, called to an apostolic ministry with regard to we're being sent. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So again, somebody's being called to go. We're all being called. That's, he didn't say that was for the pastors, that was for the church, 
That's for every person that encounters Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, is to go into all the world. You have a circle of influence. You have people in your life that you can influence. You also have people that you can be concerned about, that you can water and you can plant, knowing God gives the increase. Acts 1, 4 through 5 Jesus, again, says, when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, don't go. He says, until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I've told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at this, you know, here's the Apostle Paul in Romans 10. We just see this pattern. You know, he goes from, he cares, and then he prays, and then he goes, Caring leads to praying, praying leads to going, and going, the last thing we share with you this morning, it leads to sharing. Like I said, we're not all called to be evangelists, but the Bible is explicitly clear. We're all called to do the work of evangelists. You can read that in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 5. Uh, I shared this with you last week. You know, the believer who fails to evangelize will most likely end up fossilized. And there's really a truth in that because what, is, what does evangelism do in your life and in mine? It keeps you sharp because if you're going to be sharing with people, they're going to come up with what? Reasons why they don't believe, which is going to cause you to have to do what? To study your Bible, to be able to share with them reasons why they should believe. And so it makes us go deeper. And when people don't, like I said, the distance just becomes greater and greater. And so I, I love that quote. I, I totally understand it. When we fail to evangelize, we end up fossilized. And so when you think about sharing, verse 14 again there, it says, but how can they call on him uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And that's, again, you, some of your translation has the word preacher there. And that, again, means someone who, who speaks with words, but it doesn't mean the, the office of a pastor or a preacher per se. You know, preaching the word of God, like I said, the emphasis is not on the man, but it's on the message because it's God who saves people and he does it in spite of us, not because of us. Okay. So people go, oh, I'm not very eloquent. You know, it doesn't make any difference. It's not about how you present it. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the word of God. The key is just let the word of God dwell in you richly is what Paul said and let it out. You know, let the lion out of the cage, so to speak. You know, God's given you the key. Just do that and watch what happens. Again, you know, he told his disciples, go, go into all the world, teach all that he has commanded. It's not share your thoughts or ideas or, hey, this is what I believe. It's like, no, just tell them what the word of God says, because it says this in verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. See, it's Jesus, church, that changes lives. Plain and simple, you know, it's our privilege. It's a privilege to get to share with you week in and week out, you know, the transforming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to watch what it does in the lives of those that take it to heart. Just because we hear it doesn't mean it changes our lives. It's those of you that go, Lord, amen. What is the word amen? So be it. I agree with it, God, and, and help me to put it into practice. Help me to, to live this out. I'll end with this, you know, in the war room, one of the prayers that she prayed, and it's really my prayer that we pray today as we close. She said, Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers who hate to be lukewarm and who will stand on your word 
above all else. And if you remember this, the movie, and she said, raise them up, Lord, raise them up, you know, and, and that's really my prayer today that God would raise us up. I so appreciate, you know, what Pastor Greg Laurie said. He said, the gospel was meant to be shared, not hoarded. The gospel, and hear this, because think about this, in light of 9-11, you know, a lot of people went to work on 9-11 thinking they were going to go home that day and hug their wife and their, their husbands or kids or whatever they were going to do. They weren't planning on dying that day. But when he shared this, it's what I thought of this week. He said, Greg Laurie said, the gospel was not meant to be, it was meant to be shared, not hoarded. The gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. We're one generation, church, away from the gospel being extinct. You know, I've had people die in my life that I never shared the gospel with. You know, and I think about that. It wasn't like people in my immediate family, maybe somebody I went to school with, maybe a coach or a teacher that I had, and I heard that they had cancer. And I felt like, you know, I need to, I need to go see him. I need to, I need to ask him that question and never got around to it or, you know, didn't care enough to go, you know, whatever the, the circumstances. And then after their, you know, their passing, then to go, man, I hope that they're, I hope that they're a Christian. And so now, you know, whenever I hear that, if I hear somebody's sick or I hear that, you know, they're in the hospital, I don't care what kind of relationship, you know, that I had with them. I mean, whether they went to church or didn't go to church, you know, is to go and to ask them, you know, it's, and, and it's not just for my own sake to go, Lord, I, I need to know. I don't need to know. I want them to know, you know, do you know if you, if you, if you were to die today, do you have that surety of heart that you'd be in the very presence of God for all eternity? Because that's the most important, important question that you could ever ask yourself. Am I, am I good with God? Have I received the forgiveness of my sin? And I pray to God that you have. But if you haven't, don't miss the opportunity. Do it now. Do it now. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this day. Lord, in light of 9-11, um, Lord, we can learn a really valuable lesson from that, that God, we don't know the hour at which, Lord, we're going to meet you. And your word's very clear that it's appointed a man to die and then face judgment. One day we're going to stand before you and give an account of our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that, uh, God, for ourselves, we pray that, Lord, we know you. We pray that, God, we receive the forgiveness of our sins because of uh, the sure work of the cross that Jesus came. He lived, he died, he rose again so that our sins could be forgiven. And, uh, Lord, we pray that for the people in our lives, that, God, they know that truth. And, Lord, that we wouldn't make an assumption that, that they attend a church or maybe they did years ago. Uh, but, Lord, to know that where they're at today, where, where are they at with you today? And, and to be able to, with boldness and confidence, because we care. And, and the way we're going to care is because, Jesus, we've spent time with you. That, that's where it's not that we go, oh, i got to go do this. It's, Lord, we want to do it. When we, when we sit at your feet and we receive all that you have for us, God, we want to give it away. Uh, we see that in every apostle's life. How could uh, John, you know, who was once known as the, the son of thunder, become the apostle of love? And it's simply because he spent time with you. He sat at your feet. And so, Lord, may we learn those lessons, God. Everything just flows from you to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then out of that, Lord, we'll love our neighbor as ourself. It's just the natural, natural response. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to 
come to you, to live in you, to grow in you, knowing that, Lord, that's how we're going to impact the world that's around us. And may we ask and may we be sure that those people that are in our life, those people that we come in contact with, that God, as we move forward in life, that we go, uh, there's only two kinds of people. There's saved and there's lost. There's only heaven and hell. And may those thoughts, Lord, direct our paths and our steps this week. We thank you for your love as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.